particularly Scandi's take a, a, an even bigger one. So yeah. um, it's, uh, it's something we should touch on, along with all other kinds of things as well. Um, anyway, we're live, everybody. We are live, folks. It's Bring Food Live on Air, episode 170, bringing it to you every Friday, no fail. Um, I'm delighted to be having this conversation because guess what? The Bring Food virtual tour is back on. Um, and we haven't done one of these shows, I think maybe for a year. So it's a disgrace. I do apologize. Um, but I really enjoy doing these shows. Um, and the reason why is because I think that it's very important um, to speak to uh, local recruiters in local areas and learn from them how they're dealing with some of the universal challenges that we experience in recruiting and how local conditions actually change the solutions that may uh, that you may deploy to try and solve some of those problems. Um, so we've been everywhere. We've been to India, we've been to China, we've been to um, Middle East. Um, and today we're going to go do a virtual visit to the Nordic regions. Uh, so we're speaking to people of Norway, Denmark, Sweden and Finland. Having failed, uh, Chris, having failed to identify an Icelandic recruiter, a Greenlander recruiter and a Faroese Islander recruiter, um, which I'm sure they exist, but uh, we couldn't find any. So, folks, if you're listening to this wherever you are and you know a person that works in recruiting in any of those three countries, please do let me know. In fact, let them know that they're now formally invited to this show and they should dial in. We want to speak to them. Um, you know, um, on that on that uh, thread, Chris, we had, uh, I think, Jacob. Jacob Stenmadsen did a, a little did a bit of search, didn't he, about Greenlander uh, populations. So I 70,000 people, I think, in Greenland. Um, and he, he, according to him, there was like loads of jobs happening in their capital city, uh, which presumably recruiting happens in those places, right? But is there a recruitment agency out in Greenland? I don't know. I mean, quite cool to find out, wouldn't it? Uh, so anyway, uh, listen, let's get on with the show. Uh, actually, no, we've got to do some sa uh, sort of sound checks firstly before we go. Uh, so folks on uh, Crowdcast, if you're watching this on the Crowdcast link, uh, can you quickly just confirm whether you can hear me okay? Just make a comment in the chat there. Let me know whether the audio and visual is okay. Uh, we're also piping this out onto... I believe my personal Facebook uh, page. Um, so we're kind of change of scene. We're not going to company page. My personal Facebook page, you should be seeing this. If you're watching it from, from on LinkedIn, folks, can you just give me some sort of indication whether the audio is okay there? I'm going to quickly check on my phone whether that's the case. Um, she's never know, Chris, you know? I mean, the, the live, live streaming, mate, you know? It's crazy. It's working. I think we've got 50 people watching it there. Amazing. Fantastic. Um, and I think we're live on, uh, on on Twitter and Facebook as well. So that's all good. All right. Let's great. Uh, anyway, welcome to Chris Payne. Great to see you, Chris. Um, thanks for coming in and uh, helping with this uh, Brain Food Live. We've got a change of scene, by the way. The review of the newsletter is now going to a show on Monday. So register on Brain Food Bake Fresh. That's Monday, 12.30 p.m. That's when we do that. Here, we're going to go straight into the conversation. Give the the topic a little bit more room to breathe and christian you're here to help us because you are a person that knows the scandinavian market better than most tell us why that is and give us a little bit of uh, a promo on talentia awesome okay yeah um whether i know better than most is, is subjective but uh, i do my best um british recruiter but been living in uh, copenhagen denmark for 12 years now so um been on both the client side and on the agency side and um yeah a little push on my company and obviously wearing my team shirt right i wear my brand everywhere um talent here um we are a new rpo company based here in copenhagen 
uh, TIBA 10 recruiters and growing and recruiting across the Nordics and supplying RPO services, in-house embedded recruiters, full RPO. There we go. And it's got a three-stage model. You've got to pick and mix. You can choose how and which way you want to operate with Talantia. Chris, why don't you share the uh, the link to your company to the chat stream there and uh, make sure people can check it out if they need support in growing and scaling your company. Uh, okay, let's get on with the show. Um, Chris, I mean, I might as well ask you the question. The reason why I was quite keen to get you on, as well as Danny Crook, who's coming on in a second, is that sometimes it's really interesting to get the worldview of someone who is not a native, um, but has spent long enough in the country to get that sort of inside out, outsider in type of view, right? Because sometimes if you're living and growing in the same milieu, you've never been out, it's often difficult to observe the own habits of your culture because actually this is just normal to you. Like a fish can't ever see the water, right? Uh, but you've come into the country, like tell us a little bit about your experience about the sort of Danish business and Danish recruiting in particular, and what have you learned over time to become successful in this country, which wasn't initially your own? Yeah, and I must admit, um, like I said, it's been 12 years since I've lived here, and I had to really recall and think back to the nuances and difference that I observed in my first few years here. Um, I think I've really uh, just immersed myself and just adapted, got used to it, right? So I had to really think about it and like speak to a few of my uh, fellow recruiters and like, do you think it's this and is it that? And it's like, oh God, yeah, they are like that, aren't they? <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just a, it's of course you, you need to adapt and and you know learn what works in a native country and what um, you know what's the right approach to take. Um, but in terms of the, the actual differences, of course, we're going to go into much detail with all the uh, all the guests. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah. Can you pick out one thing that you thought was okay, like maybe a mistake you made early on? You thought, you know what, I keep making this mistake. I got to stop this. And then it actually, you know, you figured it out a little bit and, uh, you know, in terms of behaviors or, 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 or communication or whatnot. Um, I think, yeah, coming from UK and I was, um, you know, I certainly was a workaholic, right? And working all hours, trying to catch my hiring managers or candidates in, in their family time is a big no-go, right? Calling them at 5 p.m. and saying, I've got a great job. And they really didn't care. So just drop it until Monday, 9 a.m. Um, absolute an adjustment right that's it that's the first bullet point folks the first bullet point is kind of a respect for um work and and sort of a separation between work and play in the sense that your private time is respected more so than certainly uk right and definitely us i think the us i mean i don't know how many us folks are watching this tom i know you are but the us will, will take calls and do calls at all kinds of times it's crazy um and, and i actually feel quite guilty for inviting us friends sometimes onto brain food live because i know they're going to say yes and I, I find out it's like five o'clock in the morning uh for them i feel terrible um so but but i think it's very different culturally in perhaps denmark certainly maybe the rest of scandinavia it's like okay this is actually time for, for family or a time outside of work i'm not taking the call uh, which in the us and uk kind of worldview that would be considered to be rude but to do to try and like uh, outbound in or try and uh, force that situation to happen, that's a critical recruiting mistake. That uh, you don't make that mistake if yep. you're hiring in the Nordics. Uh, bullet point number one, folks. Uh, okay, let's try and bring some of our guests on to screen. Now we've got loads of guests to bring on, so I'm not sure whether it's actually possible to bring everyone on screen from a technical point of view. I'm going to give that a shot. If we can't, we're just going to do a rotation. Okay, um, so let's um, let's bring on Nicholas. I think I saw him. Uh, yes, he is there. 
Uh, by the way, Heidi Wassini can't join us today, so I'm afraid we have to, we've lost one of our guests. Um, and that is because Heidi, unfortunately, has some family things to take care of. She apologizes um, and will be back with us in due course. Um, okay, I'm going to have to bring on Katy as well. Um, cool. All right. Oh, and I think Danny, I might have to, I might have to wait to bring you on, Danny. I hope that's okay. Actually, no, I'm going to give it a shot. I think you should be able to get on. Let's have a look. Danny Crook, there he is. Boom. Let's bring him on. All right. Cool. Let's do some introductions first of all. Let's do some intro introductions. So why don't we go here first with you, Nicholas? Uh, who are you? What is you do, sir? Hey, first of all, hi Hong. Uh, thanks a lot for inviting me to this uh, to this show. Really humble and excited uh, about the today's show. Um, I'm a recruiter, founder of Recruit Growth Recruitment Group, uh, specialized in helping um, startup scale ups and mature, rapid growing companies finding uh, talent within sales and marketing. So that's the short story. Cool. And you're based in Oslo, is that right? Based in Oslo, correct. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, cool. Let's go to you, Per. Who are you? Well, uh, my name is Per Shanberg. I've been uh, recruiting in, in Sweden and the Nordics for, for quite some time. Uh, as of right now, um, I'm a founder of a 2B company. Still not ready to go live. So uh, I'm sitting in my office, but I can't really tell you too much about what we're going to do. Oh, it's too secret. It's so secret, in fact. It's like the, the IT guys have frozen him before he says anything too confidential. I've actually got him off screen. I mean, how crazy is that? Um, okay, I, that's a problem, but I'll try and bring you back there. That's okay. Uh, let's go uh, to, to you, Katty. Katty, who are you? Um, can you quickly intro yourself? Hi, so it's Katty Kitti, calling from Finland. And I'm okay. the head of talent acquisition at Solita, which is a tech consultancy company in the Nordics and, and in, the, uh, in the Central Europe. And I have been here um, eight years and, and grown the company uh, from 300 up to 1, 1, uh, 1. 1.5 thousand IT consultants. So it's been a ride. Great stuff. And I, I'm not sure whether you remember, Katy, but I think we met um, when uh, I was, was it in Helsinki that we met? I can't remember. Um, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. So very nice to see you again. Um, uh, okay. And we have Danny Crook as well. Danny, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on, Hung. So my name is Danny. Uh, I've been working in recruitment about 12 years uh, from London, spent the last seven years uh, living and working here in Stockholm. Today, I'm working at a small educational technology company. We're called Cognity. Uh, we build a teaching and learning platform with interactive textbooks for schools all over the world. So super impactful stuff. Fantastic. Thanks a lot for that. Pear, I can see you. I'm going to try and get you back on in a second, okay? Um, the uh, Let's do some general stuff first of all. So when we're doing these virtual tours, one of the things I want to try and navigate is, number one, we want to try and obviously avoid like big stereotyping and, you know, uh, broad brushing everything. But at the same time, we also want to be able to say things that are definitely true um, with caveats, right? 
um, because we need to provide useful information to an audience that might be trying to, let's say, recruit for the first time in that country. Maybe they've relocated or thinking about relocating to those countries um, and they want to know what it's like to actually operate as a recruiter in those places. Maybe they're a candidate that, you know, is potentially applying for jobs in uh, in Scandinavian uh, companies and they want to be aware as to, you know, the things to do and things not to do. Um, can we give like one like broad brush uh, type of commentary about, let's say, Nordic culture that you think that other people outside of the Nordics are not usually aware of, uh, but actually would be quite useful for them to know. Um, uh, in the same way that Chris was talking about, hey, you know, calling people outside of the office, uh, office hours in the traditional sense is generally counterproductive. Probably most people, certainly in the UK, would not know that. Um, and you'd have to learn it the hard way. So are there anything else that you think you could introduce broadly that would that would that would have a similar kind of uh, broader view nicolas you want to go i'm just trying to think uh, quickly or something uh, uh, relevant um you know i've I moved back to let's say moved back to norway 10 12 years ago i'm, I'm a norwegian by by blood uh but spending most of my my time in sweden and um you know as a, as a Norwegian uh, growing up in Sweden, moving back, I thought, you know, it's just, uh, you know, moving from Sweden to, to Norway, it's just uh, same, 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 but different. Um, but however, there's, you know, bigger uh, cultural uh, barriers than that you might think of. And uh, to me, the first thing that struck me was the, uh, the timing of decision-making that was, uh, you know, in a positive sense, moving back, uh, moving to Norway, that uh, people are generally more happy to do uh, make quicker decisions than than coming from Sweden. So, you know, um, uh, that was well, at least one experience that I came across quite quickly. That uh, pe people tend to make uh, quicker decisions here than, and at least in comparison to Sweden. That is just my personal opinion. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot, a lot of uh, other experiences, but that's. Just, Everyone, everyone seems to be nodding here. What, why is this the case? Um, I mean, do, do I, are there any stories <laughs> that want to say something here? Per, do you want to say something? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I just think it's it's uh, uh, spot on. Um, having done uh, work on both sides of the border, it's one of the, the many things that kind of really separates working in Norway or working towards the Norwegian market in comparison to the Swedish, where we're very consensus-driven, let's call it that. Okay, so this is actually really interesting for me as a complete outsider, right? Um, because I assume that the consensus culture was generally the case across the Nordic regions. But you're saying that Sweden particularly is consensus driven, um, but actually Norway maybe less so. And, you know, you can be a, you can make decisions with less people in the room, I guess. Um, yeah, it's the it's the same in Finland. We are kind of uh, uh, going quite uh, fast, directed to the point, and making decision, and and so that we can move forward and actually do things. Yeah, that's actually yeah. What about Denmark? I think that's totally relevant because um, I mean, is is Sweden a, a mega outlier within its own region, or is there is there a similar sort of consensus-driven way of working in Denmark? Um, I guess uh, Chris, do you want to say something there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, we we like to, we uh, we like to to joke about our counterparts over the over the water in Sweden. That that's the the long negotiation process. They have a 
I'm going to really stereotype, maybe offend. I'm, I really don't. <laughs> uh, they'll have a meeting, have a meeting, and everyone has to be involved in the decision-making process. Oh, great, there's some nodding heads. Um, and so we joke about that. And so they, they say in Denmark, we're closer to the, the Norwegians than the Swedes. So it's a kind of a, a separation there. So yeah, it is a, um, a common stereotype or a perception. Would it be fair to say there's a continuum then to say, let's say Sweden, maybe more consensus driven and then going to the West is like Denmark, a little bit less consensus driven and Norway pretty much direct. And then I guess if you go to Iceland, maybe they just make decisions by themselves. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just it's something to do the spinning of the earth. I, I have no, 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 no clue. Um, okay. This is like fascinating. I actually didn't know this. Um, so this already tells me a few things I need to know if I'm a recruiter or recruiting candidates, let's say, um, or speaking to a hiring manager in different, uh, different places, you need to operate differently and understand that the speed of decision-making is going to vary over time. Uh, I can imagine, for instance, let's say you're collecting a a, a, a requisition, a job uh, a job requisition, um, and there's multiple stakeholders involved. You can anticipate that invest like the investiture of time as a recruiter is going to be longer in Sweden, let's say, than it would be the case in in Norway. So that has to be factored into your plan as to how much time you're going to commit to doing the job of recruiting and stuff like this. Um, how very interesting um okay let's keep going um i mean uh, do you want to say something um uh Kati, in, in terms of like your understanding of uh, on a broad range like on the nordic side wasn't one thing from a complete outsider like me that it would useful for me to know hmm. yeah i would point out that the uh the kind of how do you interview candidates is uh into nordics very respectful for the candidate and it's more like uh uh, an equal conversation uh, rather than uh, than the recruiter kind of grilling the candidate and and especially in in Finland it's uh, candidate experience is is one of the kind of the main teams at the moment that how do you uh, improve that and, and it really affects to your employer brand that's very interesting and i i, I totally uh, identify with what you're saying from just coming from a london uk perspective the we, we were trained to be aggressive to candidates um i, I don't know whether danny or chris if, if, if you can sort of have that share that experience but i was trained listen that you gotta like mentally break this guy <laughs> you gotta like break him down and like establish control and authority that was the training so i thought but that you don't do this isn't this is no bueno in anywhere in the nordics right because candidates will not tolerate it or you know it's not it's simply a big taboo to be that aggressive i guess yeah you will end up in the news if you right it's, yeah. a sca it's at the scandal level right yeah yeah wow <laughs> again that's interesting folks because listen if you're like even like these days if we're if doing like remote hiring, we're doing like sort of distributed recruiting, etc. The chance of you, of you interacting with a candidate from the Nordic regions is a lot higher now than it was two years ago, three years or so ago, because suddenly more people are going to be remote hiring. More, you know, suddenly a person in a, in a country that didn't plan to relocate might suddenly want to think, yeah, sure, I'll work with your business because it's a fully remote business. You then have to think about how you're behaving on interview because the expectations are going to be different. There needs to be some sort of cultural awareness as to how that is. Um, 
Okay, we seem to have lost pair there as well. Danny, let's go to you. As a person similar to on Chris's journey, arriving to a new country for the first time, did you catch yourself making a couple of early mistakes that you think, you know what, there's something I've got to learn about the local ways of operating here um, uh, that to help me get on with it? And what was that thing if, if, if that was a lesson you learned? Yeah, many mistakes. Uh, Chris has already touched on the consensus-driven culture. So like failure to involve everyone everyone who you may think to be relevant in a decision-making process, even the team that you're hiring into, involve them as well, um, because they'll feel very left out. They'll be quite upset if they're not involved. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know this. What, proactively involve them? I would say so. It doesn't have to be that everyone interviews the candidate, but I'd say involve them in some way, whether if it's designing the interview process, constructing the interview questions, if there's an informal coffee or a lunch or a meet the team involved in some way. Because if you go making hiring decisions and it's just the recruiter and the hiring manager and the hiring team are not involved, uh, it typically doesn't go down very well. That's been my experience, at least. Right. Very interesting. So let's say even if let's say sometimes you might have a great relationship with the hiring manager and they just say, hey, Danny, let's let's work on this job or whatever. And off the, you know, it seems like it's a it's a it's a it's a complete conversation there. But you as a recruiter, if you're smart, you've got to think, OK. Who else is going to be interacting with the candidates that I put forward? I need to involve them in some way. So in other words, you don't necessarily wait for ex like explicit uh, or all these people, like identified people involved. Like, do you need to proactively suggest, you know, bring them into the conversation? Yes, I, th I think you do. I, I don't think that they would come to you. They wouldn't be happy if, uh, yeah, they wouldn't be happy if you went ahead with a decision, but um, I don't think they would proactively come to you. That's part of the consensus uh, consensus-driven culture that the pair talked about before. It can take longer to get decisions made, but once they've been made, everything is good because everyone's in alignment. You see. Yeah, yeah. You don't get resistance down the track or or the passive aggressiveness sometimes that you can get if you know one person feels as if they were inadequately consulted about a decision. And then they'll forever remind you about <laughs> of that um, until proven otherwise. Um, okay, how very interesting. This is already brilliant. We've already got the time of the day thing. We've got the consensus-driven culture. Uh, we've got the candidate treatment. Like, we can't be, like, hierarchical in attitude. What else do you think that a new recruiter coming in needs to know about uh, that is relevant in uh, Nordic uh, specifically or your, the particular countries uh, uh, specifically? Uh, so Nordics generally and each individual country specifically. Any thoughts on that? I'll throw it open. Go ahead. I have a comment on that, Hong. Um, I think, uh, well, at least I speak for my uh, Norwegian market, and I think speed uh, is quite uh, important um, for, for external recruiter or internal recruiter. Um, and that's basically uh, based upon the, the market situation where, you know, since I moved at 10, 12 years ago, you know, the economy has been, you know, booming up, up and down, but booming in Norway. And the... Uh, the shift in power between the employer and the candidate is, is basically now nowadays. I mean, we have a uh, employment uh, uh, unemployment rate of 1.6 percent, which is record record low, uh, which means the uh, opportunities, uh, you know, uh, for, for job hunting is extremely good. Um, and uh, I think this is something that we still um, um, educate a lot of employees that we don't have the uh, 
the power anymore or the um, uh, exclusivity to sit and wait and, and match up two, three, four good candidates. We need to make a lot quicker uh, decisions in order to assign sign a candidate because the opportunities out there is just you know tremendous and if you don't um, you know make uh, quicker decisions um, you probably lose the candidate that you want so that's just a comment from my point of view in, in Norway so speed speed need, need, need for speed the need for speed which I guess the the Norway might have a competitive advantage in the sense that perhaps decisions are faster uh, so I guess that might confront let's say a, a Swedish business that maybe is working like there's more pressure for them to, to, to speed up if they're competing for the same candidate. Yeah, I can go on that. Um, I, I, I generally think that it uh, puts Sweden at a bit of a disadvantage, the speed thing. I also think that in Sweden, people are quite risk averse. You know, employment law sort of weighs very heavily in favor of the employee. So I'd say companies are quite, quite risk averse. Um, around sort of making making snap decisions, they don't respond well to pressure, being put under pressure by recruiters, um, for example, which is something that I think British recruiters have a, a reputation of doing, to telling hiring managers that people have multiple offers and forcing them to, to sort of make decisions quickly doesn't typically go down very well in Sweden. Yeah, that's really, how, how does influencing work in this case then? Because if you can't like put the implied threat, which again is very much the British style, right? Uh, if you if you can't like drop that in there, like what do you do? Uh, did you or do we just accept that this is the process and come what may? I think you have to take a lot more time, certainly than I did. Um, like, so when I worked in London, I don't think I took as much time building relationships. It was just a case of we need this candidate with these skills. Go find them. Fine, I do, and then get hired. But in Sweden, I think you really need to spend more time building relationships with hiring with, managers, with interviewers, with everyone to understand the decision-making criteria. First of all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Uh, how do you do that, Danny? Uh, is it a case where you have to, can, can you be explicit that this is a relationship building conversation or do you need to sort of find the reasons to interact with them in some way and build trust that way? Pears <laughs> laughing here. So I'm, I'm trying. How direct can you be? I want to be your friend. Like, can you say that? Is that too? Is that too forward? You can't say this. Pear, do you want to answer that one? Well, uh, it's, it's just my take on it. But um, as Danny was saying, like uh, to, to to be able to avoid kind of like the 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 threat of losing a candidate when you turn up and turn quite aggressive, go like you need to make a decision. Uh, usually, you're not going to get people on, on board on that. But if you establish a working relationship, then you can usually come to them when it's actually important, go like, yeah, we really need to make this decision. So uh, building those relationships are kind of what puts you in the position that you can pull out the threat of make a decision now. Uh, and uh, I, w I don't know if Danny has another take, but I'd say walking up to a Swedish person going like, yeah, I'm doing this because I want to be friends with you, seldom turns out great. Uh, but we do have the miraculous fika that always works. So you just got to spend, you, to be honest with you, that's really interesting. Like perhaps the evolution of something like fika is in order to build relationships, right? I mean, it's like, so, so as a recruiter or a new person coming into the organization, like uh, recruiters sometimes over-optimize for productivity, right? It's like every single second counts, everything's like the diary's totally maxed out. But actually what you want to do is to create half an hour an hour two hours maybe in the afternoon 
that's empty like there's nothing going in there and that gives you the reasons to go and interact with people um, and build those relationships now obviously my visualization of all of this happening is in in an in-person environment how has the shift to remote changed how relationships get built in Swedish societies specifically, but then Nordic societies generally. Any any thoughts on this? Well, I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I've seen quite a sharp upturn in memes, actually using kind of like the digital conversation tools that are applicable, using those to kind of try to build uh, some sort of conversation that goes beyond only this is the task, this is how we're going to approach it, but rather introducing some sort of fun or interpersonal relationships that goes beyond uh, the pure parameters of the work uh, than if it's Slack or, or Teams or just sending text that doesn't really matter. But uh, for me, at least in my working channels, I've seen quite a sharp uptick during COVID, even from more senior hiring managers and the such. Yeah, we shouldn't underestimate the the memes and the emojis type of vibe. I mean, I, I've totally changed my mind on these things. I was like, an, I was a very conservative, like old man skeptic. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to send a, an emoji. What am I, a child? No. Um, but I've, I've realized that actually I, re I read this post and it was like, hey, an emoji is actually like a micro expression in, in text, right? Like one thing you see in text is that you can't see the tonality of it. You have to read the sarcasm is hard to read all this type of stuff. Cause in human communication face to face, you can see the face, you can have the, you can hear the tonality. You can't do that. Hence the emoji evolve. Cause then you can stick that in there and that gives it the color and the nuance. So emojis are the way forward in terms of it's sort of introducing those nuances. Uh, it's an, it's a, it's a, it's a, a wonderful thing. I'm a, I'm a basically a convert onto the emojis now. Um, but you're saying this is something that's totally something we should do in any relationship buildings. I think this is actually a challenge university, right? Everyone shifted to remote generally speaking. So I think that's really easy for people that you've met before. I found that working in collaboration with people that I've had an in-person past with, is much easier now in remote right but with new people i've never met in person it's like harder to work with them in a remote setting because there's no social capital exchange so we all need to get better at building relationships in a remote setting um and if it is the case in scandinavia and sweden particularly that rem uh, relationship building is super important and i guess we need to be quite active on the, on those remote channels to make sure that those uh relationships are there um yeah. how much of this is personal branding um, I mean, are the relationship building always a one-to-one -one private channel DM, or can you sort of do it in a more public, in you know, public Slack channel, let's say, or just to you know, present yourself out a little bit more? Is that an effective strategy in the various countries you live in? Let's let's go around the clock on this one because I'll be interested to know whether there's any regional variance on this. Um, Katy, do you want to answer this? How does it work in in Finland? If I wanted to build my 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 profile my social relationships in a remote business how do i do that yeah i would also say kind of underline uh, that it's really important uh, the hiring manager relationship and the kind of the mutual trust that uh, you have built uh, in order to be a successful recruiter and I would say that it's an opportunity to uh, kind of build your personal brand and and use the communication sh channels. It can be Slack or like a company, company's channels, but it, it, it could also be uh, LinkedIn. And, and I quite often get 
get feedback uh, internally um, from the hiring managers or people um, about things that I post in LinkedIn. So um, I have used that strategy uh, for 10 years um, uh, now and, and it, it's really working quite well. And people can kind of they they get to know you if you also post some personal stuff and and can relate um, to certain things. And that that is that's really interesting because that outside in type of uh, sort of uh, marketing strategy, if you like, I think is really effective because I think you're absolutely right. If you're kind of creating a little bit of a splash on an external platform, um, there's people in your company that will see that. And generally speaking, they'll feel very positive about it because you're representing the business in a, in a way, in, in, in a way that's getting, you know, good engagement and hopefully positive engagement and so on. So that then builds the internal brand as well as the external brand. So very interesting you say. Um, I've, I've got this stereotype, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Forgive me for even holding it in my mind. It may well be completely incorrect. Um, but I have this stereotype that it's actually not a good thing to even think about personal branding in Scandinavia because it might just be a little bit of like showing off or a little bit too much of, you know, look, uh, like look at me type of vibe. Is that generally the case? And if so, how do you navigate those two things? So we want to do it because it kind of works, but at the same time, we also don't want to be the person that everyone, that we were breaking some sort of soft cultural taboo and then actually building a negative grit in, in terms of you know how people uh, think of us um firstly is the stereotype correct yes or no and how do we navigate these two things um who wants to answer that one i'll, I'll, I'll kick it off um it is an important nuance in, in scandinavia and i'll certainly speak for for denmark to be um to be very humble and not to be you know over bragging or speaking of your successes within you know it's got, it's got to be within reason there's a there's a yant alone of not showing off um, but personal branding, as you can see, we've got with my T-shirt and, and very busy on LinkedIn every day. Big advocate for personal branding. It, it is, is so beneficial. Um, it's just the message you're putting across has got to be right. So what I'm doing for my clients, and especially post, well, I wouldn't say post-COVID, we're still, we're still in COVID, but as you were lead, alluding to, um, when we're more remote, I'm now the, out in the business, getting out there, sharing the roles, talking about the journey of the company are on, what is happening. And the team within my client see that that in, that they can see what I'm busy working on. That gets them to think, ah, you know what? I'm going to do a post on that too, or I'll create a post, create some traction, talk about what the IT department doing in one of my clients, and then I share it internally. And they're like, that's a fantastic idea, and they see the results of that, and it encourages them to start using their social media. Network. So the message you're putting out should be helping others, good to, you know, good messages, the right messages. Give, 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 rather than being out there over promoting overselling don't do that give information and that's the positive personal branding yeah so basically it's all i mean i think most people who coach personal branding would probably uh, would say this is how you should do it like plus 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 all the time rather than take 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 um and and i think you know maybe scandinavia has has a, has a is, is more sensitive than many other areas and more conde condemnatory if you like of people that are you know perceived to be trying to shine a light on themselves all the time um is there is there a concept of humble bragging in scandinavia you know this term that uh, the americans have come up with i think it's actually really good where you know they post on linkedin about some sort of fake trauma they've 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 they've, they've, they've had but 
really it's about how amazing they are to overcome this thing um and it's really about bragging even though it's it's it's, it's like disguised humility um is that is that uh is there is that a concept that exists in in the countries that we're talking about here never heard about the humble bragging um, are you serious nicholas you're missing out man it's the best entertainment on linkedin um I, <laughs> you know? I, um, but but I, I'd like to comment on the uh, on the uh, personal branding. I, I definitely think it's uh, it's not about uh, you know the, the bragging. I think it's I think it's about time that each and every recruiter starts to really really um, um, uh, market themselves because it go. I mean, it will be a win win, a positive uh, situation for all parties. Because I mean, I think for the past I don't know how many years um, who as a candidate or a customer who am i who am i in, in in our recruiting world i mean there's so many talented people out there um working by themselves or representing big companies but it's it's really difficult for everyone to get behind the scenes and understanding you know who am i who am i to turn to to get the best help possible uh both as a uh, candidate or or a customer and if i as a candidate or a customer know a lot more about the recruiter, you know, in this specific uh, specific city or the uh, companies they're recruiting for, the industries. You know, I definitely know how who to turn to, um, and that's something I I think it's been missing out there. Just maybe there's something out there that that I've missed. But um, if you, um, it's interesting that you brought that up. I, I I'm just about to test a little thing. You know, if someone. It goes into our website, crute.no slash my name, Nicholas Lerner. I tried to put together, you know, my, my professional recruiter profile as a personal branding landing landing page just to uh, tell the uh, <laughs> tell the world a little bit about myself, you know, what kinds of companies that I work with, what kind of placements that I've done. So you get a picture of, okay, is this uh, is this fellow some, uh, you know, interesting for me or not to to engage with? Um, so I get the message across, and I I think that's uh, nothing nothing about bragging. I think just uh, you know worthwhile. I, I, I think it's very worthwhile, Nicholas. I I actually uh, applaud you for it. Although the caveat I would say is that you are like an entrepreneur, right? So that that is an, an unusual person because I think you kind of need to do this um, as 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 part of <laughs> being a business success, so to speak. Uh, and I wonder. It's just occurred to me, you know, LinkedIn has like a like a cover photo. You can do a cover video, which basically does an intro for everybody. I don't think many people have used that overall. So I'd be interested to know how many people overall have actually used it. But you let me know, folks. You're watching this right now on LinkedIn. Have you actually got a video of yourself on your profile? Everyone can do this on mobile, right? And that's an opportunity for you to actually address whoever clicks on your profile. Say, hey, um, I'm hung. I do this, this, and this. Uh, check this, 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 this out. And you could totally do it. I don't think many people have done it, but I wonder whether the num the ratio in Scandinavia might be even lower than average because of this concept of not wanting to, um, you know, shine the light on yourself in any way. I don't know. That's basically my uh, my guess on that. Um, yeah, I think that is a, a great feature on LinkedIn, and and, and I, it's it's been on my to do list, but I always forget it. So now I will do it. <laughs> I was going to say that it sounds to me like a commitment, Caddy. So it, I, I, I would expect that when people check your profile out, like after this show, there needs to be something on there. Um, by the way, I, I think everyone should do this. It's like totally free. And if you're a recruiter, exactly as Nicholas has said, 
it actually just helps humanize you a little bit. So, you know, if you're emailing someone or you're sending something, uh, that, uh, uh, you're a new person, a stranger to the person you've messaged, they can actually check you out a little bit and, you know, that warms it up a little bit. So there's no reason why not. Um, okay, let's talk about candidates. So I'm in the business. I'm, I've built my relationships internally. It's all great there. I'm actually speaking to candidates uh, from Sweden, from Norway, Denmark, and so on. Uh, what, like, how do I do that? Is there any like different ways in which that needs to happen? Or is it like, you know what, don't, don't overthink it. Just send the guy an email and follow up th th after three days, uh, <laughs> you know, st stick him on a drip campaign and, and hope for the best. Like what is, what is, what is, what is the, uh, the best approach to get engagement from candidates in, uh, in these countries? Yeah, I can go real quick. I found the best approach has been, like I say, with hiring managers, building relationships. So don't just go in all guns blazing with, you know, exciting opportunity in capital letters, seven exclamation marks, talk about the job, the tech stack and the salary and expect them to be open to a chat because they're typically not. So I found that the softer approach works a lot better. Hey, um, I noticed you've been working over at so-and-so for so many years with this technology or what have you. I would love to find out more about you to see if what we're doing may interest you so we can have a really quick informal chat to talk about that that's all how right. the pitch. did you all hear that folks i thought that was a really a, a succinct uh sort of description as you can make it in terms of how to do uh, an outreach i think that would work in any kind of cultural context but particularly in scandinavia which is essentially centering the candidate right centering the candidate in the conversation rather than hey the job is amazing feature like benefits selling the job and uh, this person obviously needs to apply no it's about look i'm gonna find out about what your motivations are what drives you uh, so that you know we can figure out whether in future there might be an opportunity that is worth bringing to your attention that's going to be a much more powerful way we should all apply that irrespective of where you are location wise folks um okay thoughts on like um uh candidates kathy are Finnish candidates any different in your experience like how do we how do we reach out to those folks? Yeah, I've been mostly uh, most of my career uh, uh, hiring the IT and tech uh, experts. So uh, I think there was one comment about the, uh, if if people are like uh, introvert, um, like mostly. But I would say that the uh, the kind of the winning approach to candidates in Finland and and I think all in all Nordic countries is that you treat them as your equal and, and really be respectful and, and kind of um, in that way. I think that is the and, and that needs to be uh, during the overall process. And 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 of course, like if you are uh, if you give a, a professional um, feeling from the uh, like from the first touch, that's uh, um, that's a really good thing, and it can be that the the people will remember you, like, uh, and and come back to you if you gave this like a good first impression, and and were not like overselling the the job, but rather than kind of also showing that you are a recruiter who appreciates uh, people as a person and 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 their kind of own pace how they want to proceed. Can, can I ask a question to, to you, Katy, but also to everyone here? Um, how is the recruiting profession perceived in the respective countries that you're currently working in? 
Um, it, like in the UK, for instance, it's very poorly per perceived. It's like, oh my God, a recruiter. Like, is it? Is it the same? Do you have? Do we have to negotiate the same degree of antipathy if I was in Sweden or in Finland or Norway or whatnot? I'd I'd say that it's it has gone uh, to to a better um, better way uh, during the past years because the kind of the, um, the competition of talent is so fierce that uh, if you are a good recruiter you are really appreciated and and but I think that also um, depends on the company we work with and people might have. Uh, kind of assumptions of you as a person uh, before they meet you. So you also need to kind of win people over, also the hiring managers. And oh, we've lost Nicholas. That's all right. This is this is the nature of Brain Food Live, folks. It's it's a nutritional uh, live stream. You know, uh, people don't always make it to the end. Uh, but we'll see if we can uh, see if Nicholas can come back in a bit. Um, all right, listen, this might actually be a good natural break, folks, because we always do this at every show um, because Brain Food Live is a one-hour live stream. We have to come off air, but what we want to do is to start a conversation, not never to stop the conversation. So if you're interested in this topic, how to hire in the Nordics, and you want to continue this conversation with other people, now is the time to take your LinkedIn profile link and stick it into the chat stream on Crowdcast and stick it into the comment thread on LinkedIn, and then make sure you connect with everyone else who has done that. Um, everyone who's watching this show right now is interested in this topic. You might be living in Scandinavia. You might be moving to Scandinavia. You might be looking to recruit people in the Nordics. You might be doing all of these things, or you just might just be curious about how things uh, sort of might be slightly different in places you're not aware of. Please do use this opportunity to build your network with other people that are also interested in this. Uh, and then at least you can go ahead and carry on that conversation when we have to go off air. Um, okay, cool. We see a few links going in there. That's excellent. Um, yeah, I think, you know, my mission is just make everyone that networks a bit denser. I think that's a, that's a good thing. Um, okay. Let's talk about basic stuff like, um, full pars. Like what, are, what is, what are full pars that you can imagine that other people might not know? Um, I'm thinking again, stereotypically, let's say you go to Portugal, for instance, um, you know, timekeeping time works differently. If you're comparing, if you're in, if you're in Portugal compared to, to Germany, for instance, uh, classic example, I remember a good friend of mine, Pedro, that he was actually outraged that the German bus is running on time, um, because he missed his bus. Um, because he was operating in like Portuguese mode, <laughs> he was like totally outraged. And I was like, yeah, man, you're in a different place. Like small things like that. Um, look, what about punctuality? Like, is it important to be on time in Denmark, in Sweden, in Finland? Uh, like, is it acceptable to roll in half an hour, like half, like five minutes late? Is that no bueno? Like, what is, like, if I'm on Zoom, I've taught myself, trained myself to be minimum like 60 seconds or one minute before I'm, I'm live, I'm staring at a blank screen because I'm waiting for people to turn up, right? Um, is that what you should do if I'm interacting with someone in Scandinavia, in Nordics, should I say? Absolutely. I would say, I mean, punctuality is different for different people, but, but uh, being late and not giving notice is like a social faux pas. You just don't. And then it's fine as long as you get in touch because things happen. I mean, you, there's a there's a myriad of reasons why it's okay to be late, but being late and not letting the other person know that quite quickly 
gives you some negative points. Yeah, yeah. So punctuality, clearly, clearly very important. Um, and by the way, that's just professionalism also. Um, but um, we understand that, like the priorities are slightly different in different places where it is more acceptable, more forgivable sometimes to, uh, uh, to uh, you know, it's just like a soft line rather than a hard line in certain, in certain uh, sort of spaces. Um, okay, cool. Um, let's, um, let's move on to think about um, where you think that uh, the, week, you know, the local countries might be impeded by certain things that are annoying in the cultural practice that we've already talked about maybe in sweden there's a little bit of consensus which we all kind of think is positive in the sense people should have input and, and you know that their, their opinions are valued however that can often slow things down um and you know sometimes you do need to have a little bit more acceleration if the the, the need is must are there any other things that you could say that you know what this is part of how it works here, but you, we should probably try and improve it. Um, any thoughts on this? Well, we can go around, but uh, uh, hands up if you've got uh, uh, an opinion that you want to share. Go ahead, Nicholas. One maybe interesting point, at least from my, again, personal opinion and experience with the kind of type, types of customers and, and candidates is uh, um, trying to be as relevant and and uh, and um, spot on as possible, at least speaking well with customers and, and but can candidates because you know the type of candidates at least where we are working with you know get uh, you know quite a few um, <laughs> emails and, and LinkedIn notes uh, you know weekly or bi-weekly so being very relevant because what i experienced uh, maybe more the past uh, couple few years is that people are checking you P people are checking you out um, um your linkedin profile your uh, whatever it might be to check you out um they want to know about you before sometimes before they answer you so being very uh, you know again humble but yet very um relevant in in the way you you know um, engage in a early conversation. I think it's quite crit critical, at least from my experience in Norway. Maybe it's I don't know if anyone agrees or disagrees or anything that's you've noticed. I'll, I'll try a minute, and I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say whether it's Nordic specific, but it is just the whole candidate experience. It is treating someone as an equal. Um, candidate experience has to be absolutely on point. We're on a we're on. A, in a, in a different market times where there's a lack of candidates, more roles than candidates. So the exchange has to be on point every single time, personalized when you're reaching out, um, come with, you know, read their profile and actually get, get their interest, what's in it for them. Um, and then book a time to speak to them. But and that's something I came from the UK. You just, you just get phone calls and like, I've got a job for you. Or, hey, when are you free? And let's talk. It's like, oh, hang on, what is this about? And let's book it in my diary. So it's just, it's just, a, it's quite more process driven and just very respectful of someone's time. Um, before I can expect a Dane to give me their time and sit with me for 30 minutes, um, what's in it for them? I'm sure this is just a, this should be just a, the go-to standard for like anywhere, but I'm certainly speaking from my experience here in, here in Denmark. Yeah, I mean, we're all, at the end of the day, one thing I'm getting from all of this is that obviously we're all human beings and there are, there's some basic sort of stuff like the respect, like show me a culture that embraces lack of respect, right? So everyone, everyone has this, um, but in terms of how it's actually expressed or manifested or experienced is, is, is different. 
Um, and we're, we're looking for these signals as to whether uh, sometimes you can inadvertently uh, 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 communicate disrespect and you might not actually know or you, you, you didn't intend it. Um, so, so I think this is like so valuable for everyone listening uh, that they can they can they can get some of this uh, experience out. Um, quick question, actually, I f one thing I forgot to mention was how does negotiation work in in the respective countries you're operating in? Um, in some cultures, it's, I'm thinking about making offers, for instance. Like, do you talk about salary up front? Is it like very clear? Hey, listen, can you say to someone on first call, hey, listen, what salary are you looking for? Um, like, when do, when do we talk about stuff like that? Sometimes money can be one of those topics that is very different uh, in different cultures. Uh, any thoughts on this? Yeah, well, um, as we, we've spoken about beforehand in terms of respecting the candidate's work-life balance, uh, another part of that is kind of respecting personal boundaries and being really attentive to areas of discussion where they're not comfortable to go. So uh, the issue of salary is something that is really, at least from my point of view, really critical in terms of uh, getting a feel for that upfront, making sure that you don't waste anybody involved's time and making sure like kind of that you're aligned. But no, that said, there are circumstances where that is just not something that's conducted to either the candidate experience or the hiring experience as a whole, both from the companies and the candidates' point of view. Um, what I've experienced is that there's a, there's a really big difference in terms of, are we talking about uh, Stockholm, Gothenburg, Malmö in Sweden, or part, talking about cities outside of, of the, the larger metropolitan areas. Uh, there's a big difference there. And also there's a big difference between different areas of competence, like. Um, in, in Stockholm, on the tech side, people are so used being to be approached by uh, recruiters. So, the salary issue is something that's really easy to take, either, even in, in first call, making sure that you're aligned. If you're trying to hire managers out in rural, I don't know, Umeå, one city, that can really uh, ruin the conversation that you're going to have with the candidate moving forward. So, it's really situational. That's really, really important insight. Um, and I'm really pleased you brought that up uh, because obviously the metropolitan spaces, you know, they have their own culture often. Um, and uh, and, and there's, there's often a very large cultural gap uh, between uh, cities in the same country um, because of the operations and, and the lifestyle living in a, in a big city is different from a, a, a smaller a small city. So basically what you're saying, if I can sum up, you can essentially be a little bit more upfront in a metropolitan space uh, compared to uh, a more regional place where you've got to just be a bit more careful and sensitive that you're not intruding on what could be private or what be perceived to be private uh, information. I, I guess that might work. Uh, that may, may also be the case in like negotiating with uh, suppliers, doesn't it? I mean, like when do you talk about money? I mean, is that something that's right up front as well? Or do you, is, is that in the middle or do, is it at the end of the thing? Or do we just like kind of never talk about it and like somehow get to the contract? Um, any thoughts on this? Uh, the folks who've worked as a supplier of services, uh, how, do you, how do you talk about the, uh, the, the, the cost? I had two conversations today and we covered the cost in our very first conversation. We don't want to waste each other's time. What are you looking for? What are my services? Let's get down to the pricing. Is it feasible before we go to the next stage? So absolutely for me. That, that's okay to do. Well, I, I'm glad to hear it because 
you know, we, there's another thing that's important there, which is obviously not to uh, exhaust people's uh, energies uh, when the budget isn't there. I mean, the Brits are actually quite bad at that. Um, uh, you know, at a, at a local level, it's like we, it's embarrassing to talk about how much it is and people are reluctant to, to volunteer the number. Um, and then you take it all the way to the end and it's like, oh, shit, it's this. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it, it, we could all probably get better at it. Um, okay, cool. Listen, we're coming to the end of the show. I want to just give the audience uh, some opportunity to ask questions. People might have asked questions in the chat. Uh, I'm going to try and get to them. However, if you're on Crowdcast, try and use the ask a question feature because that makes it easier for us to go and, and look at it down there um, rather than hunt through what is now quite a long chat stream. If you're on LinkedIn, fire in your questions. I've got my phone here. I'm going to try and look through those as well. Um, I want to go around to everyone and give and ask you all to give like one piece of advice um, to, let's say, uh, the persona is going to be a young person who is a recruiter that's relocating to your country um, and they, they've never recruited there in that, in that country before. What would you advise them to do? What's your like advice um let's go to uh, you first christian uh, denmark give us some advice for this young person part one is to listen to this this uh, this cast here so that's a good check <laughs> of course um yes of course and, and so day one week one um i'll just be shadowing them and talking through the nuances and the things that i experienced um i've got it documented as well within our company but um, understanding the you know the process and the cultural nuances and how to do things, the things we discussed earlier, how to personalise messages, respecting time, don't just be a salesperson and call. Um, understanding respect of time, work hours, yeah, the list goes on. Okay, cool. I was about to ask, like, what about the language? I mean, obviously the nordics are very famously very very strong with uh, multiple languages i think every uh, on average i think most people in the nordic region can speak at least three uh, at high fluency um most people coming in probably just have english or whatever like what is the like is like what is the uh, the the premium on being able to speak um danish swedish finnish or norwegian or whatnot i mean is that is that something that is uh, everyone's going to say it's worth doing, but how important would it be in your uh, in your opinion? Yeah, my experience is that um, that well, for example, in Finland, you can manage uh, with English as a recruiter because um, people are very uh, skilled in English in general. Um, but I would say that maybe in Sweden, um, it's it's more um, it's a bigger advantage if you. Uh, if you can have the conversations in Swedish uh, rather than English. Um, so I'd say like comparing these two countries that in Sweden, it's more, more important um, to know the local language. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of the big challenges for anybody moving there in a paradoxical sense. Uh, I think it's very similar to, let's say, the Netherlands, because um, uh, the, the English language standard is so high um, locally. Uh, that is very you, basically uh, a foreigner is never forced to 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 do immerse, um, uh, which is the best way to try and learn a language. Um, anyway, let's keep going. A bit of advice, uh, Kati, uh, for a person deciding, okay, I'm moving to Finland. Um, I, I want to recruit there. Uh, what's one thing that you would say? One thing this they, they need to know. I would say that uh, that the uh, recruiters in Finland are really open for new connections and and for the 
um, talent acquisition community. So I would advise this person to connect with the local colleagues and, and approach them using LinkedIn, for example. Yeah, that's a great tip, folks. Like always in in-country network, this is what we've been trying to do, the LinkedIn connections right there. But make sure you do that. In fact, you should probably do that even before you relocate, right? I mean, you can even say, hey, I'm moving. Can you know, can we have a chat? No, nothing wrong with that. Uh, okay, Nicholas, I'm moving to Oslo, man. What, what do I need to know? You are, you go out and have a bear with me and I will tell you everything about it. <laughs> no, honestly, I... I think I think the social approach could be very uh, helpful. Uh, honestly, if you you get to know some people, go out and have a drink. Get to know them. Uh, you know, park, park the professional side, and that will come anyway. But understand, understand what is there for me to understand about the Norwegian culture? What happens in Norway? What happens in Bergen? Or you know, we are five million plus people. It's a small country. You know, what happens in the outskirts of uh, Oslo, five kilometer out? Just get to know people. How do they react, respond? How how should I uh, how should I treat people? So yeah. so get, get get social. That's it. It's almost like we, we we take away the professional lens. Just immerse yourself into the life there and just interact with the local community. That's going to do a lot more than all of the stuff that we're talking about from a theoretical point of view. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, go to you, Pev, real quick. Uh, give us one bit of advice. I'm moving to Sweden. Uh, what do I need to know? Uh, all the good tips are taken. No, but uh, so so like as as Karim uh, alluded to earlier i think it's it, it can be really important to try to get a grasp of the language uh, and uh, we swedes are slightly proud of, of constantly saying that we don't have a swedish culture but the swedish culture is full of like little do's and don'ts that are never really documented or easy to understand if you don't do what nicholas said and actually find a group and start socializing and you quite quickly learn that you do not break the queue and you don't speak on the bus and so on and so forth <laughs> You don't you don't speak on the bus. I mean, you what kind of crazy people are you? <laughs> you do not. Hang. You do not. I've got to be honest. The only people that speak on public transport are Americans. Our American friends are conspicuous for doing that, and it, it just alarms everybody. It's like a frightening thing. Um, okay, uh, Danny, I'll leave it to you at the end. I give us one tip. Um, the people need to know when they're moving to uh, Sweden, maybe from the UK to Sweden. That's a very well well worn path. How would you advise young Danny if you could? Uh, uh have a chat with that chap lower the intensity chill out a bit like there isn't this culture <laughs> of long working hours like someone's job or career isn't probably isn't number one you know it's 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 family it's a life outside of work don't be pushing people to go to meetups conferences be pushing hiring managers to meet candidates in the evenings and stuff don't do that just uh, yeah. just play the long game basically perfect i love it Chill out, chill out, folks. Um, okay, listen, I haven't forgotten all the questions. We're going to go to them real quick, okay? Uh, so this one is from uh, uh, Navidita. Um, what, what about in comparison? Oh, sorry, I, I missed the context there. Um, I think we might have answered that, hopefully. Um, okay, Do, does headhunting work on passive candidates? Um, calling people at work, or will that be counterproductive? Quick one, yes, no. In Denmark, do I call people at work? No, it doesn't work, Navita. Um, okay, ATS most widely used in Scandinavia. I can tell you, it's Team Taylor, isn't it? Um, yeah, um, Team Taylor. Yeah, that's it. Um, very good product. They were like unanimously voted as a big. They're the only ATS on the What Do You Want survey 
uh, that I conducted for, I think, 2,000 recruits, 2,500 recruiters. They're the only ones that unanimously got positive, but all of the all of the ones that voted were in Scandinavia. So they need to expand to different, uh, if they've got such a good product, they need to expand, obviously, into Europe. Okay, that's it, folks. We're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a fascinating uh, conversation. Really enjoyed the virtual tour. Uh, definitely every country deserves its own sort of session. Maybe we'll break that down in future as well. Um, make sure you follow the channel if you like this kind of conversational chat, by the way. I will actually be in Sweden next week, uh, fingers crossed. I'm going to be in Gothenburg for three days. So if you're in Gothenburg and you want to hang out and drink a be drink beers on someone else's money, come and get in touch with me because uh, I think I have somebody's budget. <laughs> um, so, okay. Um, uh, otherwise, what's happening next week? Next week, uh, all right, Brain Food, Brain Food Bake Fresh, Monday, 12.30 uh, UK time. If you want to review the newsletter with us and talk about that, uh, sign up for that show. On Friday, uh, we're going to be talking about how to do layoffs in a more ethical and efficient manner. So if you're in a situation where your company is under stress or you see around the corner that actually, holy crap, things might be happening, what can you do to make sure you have an ethical and efficient process uh, with your candidates and with the employees that you're dealing with and maybe even design something that would be suitable for yourself if unfortunately you find yourself in that boat. So make sure you sign up for that if you're interested. Okay, that's about it. Thank you to our guest, Christian Payne. Thank you for your uh, amazing uh, contribution. Kati Kitty, Danny, uh, Pear, and Nicholas, thank you so much for your time. Please enjoy the rest of your day and your weekend. We'll see you again soon, folks. Thank, thank you very you. much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wasn't that great, everybody? Thought that was great. I do like the uh, the split so that we can have like full time to properly speak about all of this. Um, really good. Okay, I'll see you soon. Have a good weekend, everybody.